0: But, yeah, no, it was a different different era back then as far as kids and their involvement, wasn't it?
1: Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, I was fortunate, you know, that my dad it, uh, included me in all his hound activities as much as he could, you know.
0: <laughs> he needed a scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, so I was with him. I was his shadow, you know. Yeah. So, so when he would go to plot days or go, Dad, back in the early days, he got the fi- uh, plot fever really bad back in the fifties. You know, about the time that they were, just after they were recognized by UKC. Right. So, you know, he went around. You know, he told r- reminded me that we went up to uh, Ohio. There was a guy named H L Brown who was the first president of the National Plot Hound Association. And he went there and looked at his dogs. And, you know, he, within a reasonable circle that you could drive on crooked two-lane roads in a 1952 Ford, <laughs> you know, he was out there looking around for plot dogs and looking and considering dogs that he might want to breed to and all, you know. So, although Dad cared nothing about competition at all, but right. he loved the breed and he was interested in getting and having good dogs you know so I got a dose of that pretty early on listening to these these guys you know talk about the old days and now when I see some of this history being misquoted it kind of gets my dander up a little bit and I (laughs) want my righteous indignation you know comes to the front but I said whoa here you know they just don't know you know these these guys just don't know but
0: it's been a while. You've been around the block, though. I. <laughs> it's funny because, like I was talking to you earlier with the coonhound side and the big game, it's funny to me, like how we think that they're very different, and they are very different dogs. I think in some ways, but in other ways, I mean, those registered coonhounds were the backbone of what we were producing. Yeah. You know, for these big game dogs like Hickory Nut Harry and, I mean, huh. jet dogs you know, we brought in some mad dog stuff from Robbie and Lisa. And it's funny when you look at the big view of it, they're really closely intertwined, but I think sometimes our, our own, I don't want to say egos, but like just sometimes ignorance is bliss. You know, we don't care about papers. A lot of us, Mm -hmm. but in other ways we do the exact same thing when we write it down. It's just a, a uh, excuse me, a, Record for you to say, yeah, a record for us to keep track of the dogs, you know, instead of paying Mm -hmm. a registry per se, yeah. But you know, all these dogs they came down and were tested over the years at these hunts, you know, those competition hunts early on. I could only imagine going back if you could step back in time to like the first night hunt. that would be such a humbling experience thinking where we're all at now. And we wouldn't be here at all without any of that. And I know we've got a really big coon hunt coming up and I really wish I was going to be there, but I am not going to make it this and year. And I
1: really wish you were too.
0: I do. Next year I was talking with Danny and I said, we've just got to put in for time and we got to make sure that we get out there. Cause she's dying to see it Oh, and meet you. Um, I told her, I said, we just got to get out there.
1: You know, I'm really looking forward to to meeting her too. And We
0: we might even drag one of the boys. We'll see. All of them will be a little bit much, but I know it's it's (laughs) a cool hunt to go see. If you've never been to Autumn Oaks, I highly recommend make the trip just for the contacts and the stories. And I mean, shoot, that's where we really met and... That was a long time ago now, it, it feels it, like.
1: <laughs> it does, it does. Yeah, um, uh, I don't want to, I, I find myself a lot having to change the what here all the time now in the news about pronouns, what's your pronoun. Well, I don't want to use the big I pronoun, you know, because, uh, but I was the guy that tagged the, event where history is made on Autumn because right. I thought that explained that event better than anything else, because there's so much history of the coonhounds that happened there. And there's so many of the historical figures that we look back at, the Joe Houses and the John Monroes and the James Merchants and, and, and all down through history, uh, Albert Vaughn and, and, and with the blue ticks, all of these people passed through those gates, you know, mm-hmm. and were part of that whole picture at one time. And we were talking, you and I, just a few minutes ago about uh, the leafy oak in Kenton, Ohio, that was the forerunner of automobiles, And Eddie Ross, who was a blue tick man, he had the mountain music dog. Mountain music blue was one of his famous stud uh, dogs, and all. But um, Eddie, you know, he he started uh, the the leafy oak, which was basically a coonhound field trial, and you know, and the 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 progression of all that originally. <laughs> I guess I can use this word on your podcast, uh, Jason. Back in the old days, if you read the history, they called them crap sack races. They oh, yeah. put coon manure in a burlap sack, wet it down, drug it across the fields and through the woods, and put it up a tree, and that's what the dogs ran. You know. That's what they and, used for scent. Yeah, that was their <laughs> scent drag, and you know that's what the early competition events were. You know, they were, and, and you guys have carried that on out west with your field trials, yeah. you know. Uh, field trials, as in the purest sense, aren't real big back east anymore. The competition right. hunts have kind of taken over uh, for that, you know. And that was the desire of those guys that, st- that wrote the competition hunt rules was to to try to have a hunt that, that better typified a night hunt, four guys getting out there and turning their dogs loose and hunting for, sure. for a couple hours, you know, three hours. But, yeah, that, uh, there's lots and lots of history, and Autumn Oaks is responsible for an awful lot of it. And uh, so I always thought that was a good name for, for Autumn Oaks, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that they've kind of hung on to that.
0: And it's they been a still while. To
1: <laughs> yeah, 1960 was the first one. But yeah. uh, as we were looking back here, what did I say? 1920. you
0: said 21. 27. 27. 1927
1: was the first leafy oak. That's Depression time, and then you know, uh, at least I think it is, or my dad lied to me because he said he <laughs> grew up in the Depression.
0: He was born in 1920. I don't think he's lying. I, I think there really was. That's, yeah. I mean, isn't that the truth still today though? I mean, like all of us that are still in this and everybody that is feeding a dog or hauling it to the woods. I mean, we're all making sacrifices, whether it's time or money or whatever. And in today's mm-hmm. world, like that's a lot. So to make the trip to something like this, you know, I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't think it was worth it, but I know the people I met and I know the the dogs that I got to see and it opened up some opportunities for me to to bring some dogs out here years ago. And it's just, it's a great event. Yeah, it's focused around a competition hunt, but there's a whole lot more that goes on there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm thankful that
0: uh, Alan Gingrich has... Uh,
1: Put together this media center there in the headquarters building now and provided uh, space for us, you know. In fact, uh, I just got a call or, yeah, I called the other day from Trevor Wade uh, saying that they want to do a podcast there
0: uh, about
1: this history, you know, and tying together some of this old history and stuff. So UKC has been very accommodating and uh, I think they appreciate the history. I really oh, do. Oh, sure. And, of course, UKC has gone through ownership changes over the years and all. But despite all that, I, I think, you know, that history has still been important to them. And yeah. I hope that it always will be uh, because, you know, history to me is so important. Whether you agree with it or not, it is what it is. It's our history. Right. It's what we, you know, and and— it's cliche to say, but if we don't, you know, if we don't remember it, we're destined to repeat it, you know. Oh, we definitely. need to look back, you know, at, at things. But but uh, the history of coon hunting, as you said, you know, Cliff's no he, vir- <laughs> version.
0: <laughs> we both uh, got our tongue tied yeah, tonight. I, I guess I
1: got the old saying used to be, I got my tongue tied wrapped around my eye tooth, and I can't see a word I'm saying. Well, that's my problem today, I guess. But anyway, looking back, it was foxhounds from Europe, came here, and then the settlers, you know, needed a dog that would would catch tree game. And so they bred the tree instinct into them. And, and you know, and, and, and one of the breeds that's, you know, been near and dear to my heart, the plot dog, it was developed here in this country to be a big game dog first, mm-hmm. to be a bear dog first. And then it was guys like Dale Brandenburger, who incidentally won the very first Stottom Oaks in 1960 with a plot. He went to the mountains, got these dogs, brought them back to the Midwest, in Illinois, and began to hunt coon with them. And, in, and Dale was one of the guys that, that participated in the very first UKC night hunt. In oh, really? ingraham Illinois, back in 1953, and wow. and there were two plots that won that hunt. They tied, and hey, that's you know, not bad. So, yeah, so Dale he took the bear dog and converted it to a coon dog, and right. now you guys out west are taking these coon dogs that have been competition <laughs> bred out through the years, and right. now you're converting them over to bear and cat and fox or whatever you choose to run with them. That shows the versatility in that you basically can breed a dog for anything, I guess, you know. Enough time and money. (laughs) Yes, enough time and money. And that time becomes a real valuable commodity. Trust me.
0: Well, that's what we're looking at. I'm so loaded up on young dogs right now because, you know, the older dogs are, are finished dogs, I'll call them. They're almost five. So, I mean, we've got, you know, a few good years at least of, of running Fox and then we'll just probably end up converting them over to running some Bobcat. But the thing is with that, then you got to load up on young dogs. And now there's like, well, I think I've got two that are a year and a half and I've got three that are under a year and it's going to be super wild, but trying to, you know, realize those older dogs are only here for so long. So they, they have a job. They got to get you to where you want to be. They got to maintain it. Then they hopefully will end up doing some training along the way before they're too it, old. And it's just this constant revolving treadmill, it is. you know,
1: it is. And they live their lives are so short. And and then when you further reduce that by their actual productive years where they, Especially if you're big game hunting or running in rough territory and stuff, They've got, their bodies can only stand so much, like yeah. ours can. Although the endurance of a hound in itself is an amazing thing, right? But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I I will always regret, but I don't I don't. Uh, worry about it so much because there was nothing I could do to change it. I always regret that I was not able to continue on the line of plots that my dad and I uh, were really enjoying and catching game with back in the day, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then dad, after I went to Michigan to work for the registries, he, he had some good friends, younger guys there that, you know, really uh, were great to take him hunting and and to help him with his dogs, even as he got into an advanced age. Sure. Uh, You know, but it's just a a blip on the screen that we have, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's, if if you're thinking about, there's a guy down here on TV in the mornings in Florida, And he gives a fishing report. Of course, we got all kinds of fishing here. You know, we got saltwater inshore, offshore. We got freshwater. And his line is in every segment he gives: if you're too busy to go fishing, you're too darn busy. Well, if you're too busy to go hunting with the hound, if you've you've been bitten by the bug, you've got to find a way to do it. You just got to get out there.
0: You know, true. (laughs) yeah and that's like for us right now it's so dang hot and we're all waiting on season but that's why one year well i guess it was my first year at w um buddy sent us out and it was uh it was a rough trip i'm not gonna lie mike and i (laughs) we took two guys that have Mm. never worked together before and threw them in a truck from you know washington to salisbury road (laughs) And we finally made it out there. And, you know, it was it was an interesting experience. It was not something that I, in my wildest dreams, would have thought, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But getting to meet everybody there, coming through the doors, and see these dogs. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of a weirdo, but I, I don't believe in breeding to the best thing in your backyard. Right. I think if you're going to breed or you're going to bring anything into your pack, you know, you should try to... Do the the dogs right and bring home the best thing that you can. So, I guess my first big hunt, I didn't even get to stay for the hunt, but I got to hang out during the day, was uh, UKC Worlds in 2014. Okay. And my great-grandma had passed, so I had flown out with my dad to settle up the estate with my family, and I just convinced him to drive me down to Ohio. We were in Michigan. I said, just take me down and drop me off and you can pick me up whenever you want to show up. Like I will find people to stay busy with. And just to walk around and see, like at that time, I remember going there to see Robbie and Lisa Brooks. Like that Mm -hmm. was what was Mm -hmm. on my mind or any of the downings. You know, those were the Mm -hmm. two people that I really wanted to go and meet as a blue tick person because I had just kind of watched and you know, you go through and you read old articles and things about those dogs mm-hmm. and you talk to, I mean, now I would consider those guys good friends. We may be a long ways off, but they Great. always know there's a couch here. And I know you vice and versa. Russ
1: kind of have similar beards. I?
0: <laughs> I told Danny two nights ago, actually, I said, God dang it. I wish Russ would live in Oregon. He could be a, he could be a Southern Oregonian right now.
1: Oh yeah. Russ would, Russ would fit in everywhere. I mean, he'd be different. <laughs>
0: But he'd figure out a way to adapt. Oh, man. I'll tell you a funny Russ story if you want to hear it. It's really not a Russ story. It's a bum story. And I told Danny, someday I'll publish this. But since we're talking about him. So we drive out for that Heartland Classic on a whim. Jay Leahy had got a hold of me. And, you know, a bunch of blue tick people are out there in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So Danny and I, we decide, hey, let's. Let's drive out. We'll go camp along the way. We'll go to the hunt. And then she was going to fly home, and I was going to drive back to haul some puppies. And, uh, you know, we end up getting out there, and Russ and Shelly opened their home to us. You know, we stayed there with them, and they showed us around where the tornado came through. And, mm-hmm. you know... It, by the end of it, I was wanting to move. Like I, yeah. I was ready to drop everything and move out. It there.
1: have you hunting those all blue, blue ticks, or maybe oh, some man. of those lab crosses. Yeah. The lab
0: crosses. <laughs> so we threw, I had this cool dog box I made. It was an over the rail and it just kind of left, you know, it sat on top of the red bed rails, but these new trucks, you know, they've got that plastic cap that goes over the top of it. And, um, We had bum on one side and we had my dogs on the other. And I just, I don't remember when it happened, but when I got home, I realized (laughs) bum had chewed the entire inside lip of that bed rail off. Like the cap (laughs) didn't, I mean, it didn't hurt anything, but in my mind, I laughed out loud to my wife and we've joked about that. Ever since we came home, we've never said anything, but I'm like, the day that that truck got sold I said the bad thing is there's a little piece of bum in that truck <laughs> <laughs> and it was well, so right. bad they sold the truck I traded it in and they ended up having to ship it back to the east coast because they couldn't sell it here it was a houndsman's truck I mean i I royally oh, used yeah. every you bit put of it,
1: through it. the paces, so.
0: so if you if anybody out there is driving a 2014 black extra cab dodge 1500. And it's got a chewed up passenger side bed rail. That might be what happened to it.
1: <laughs> that just describes everybody in the
0: state of Georgia, right? Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs>
1: oh, but, the, We didn't
0: well, know was, those guys. Like, literally, we had no idea. We didn't know them or Robbie and Lisa or anybody out there. Um, hmm. All of them were just so great. And that Heartland Hunt was so inviting.
1: You know... Uh, Jason, here again, I'll use that pronoun, but I did start that Heartland Classic Hunt as an AKC hunt in Tomah, Wisconsin. And it was there uh-huh. a couple of years, and then we moved it over to Nashua, uh, Iowa. And uh, and then it moved over, to when I left AKC, it moved over to uh, uh, Wisconsin, and it's done very, very well there. Uh, that's a great hunt. A lot of good people, great coon hunting. It's just a- You
0: can win uh, a quad. I mean, don't they usually give it, they Uh, call the wheeler hunt? Yeah,
1: what they do is they buy two two quads or two wheelers, as they say up there, and uh, they raffle them all. Raffle one off and give. The raffle brings in enough money to buy the two machines. Sure. And they give one of the machines to the winner of the hunt and the other to the raffle winner. So it works great, you know. Yeah. uh, And Erica Frohming was the president there. When I left, I encouraged Erica to be, uh, to step up because she's such a leader and, uh, she did a super job with it. And then, of course, her family, they started their family right. and, and on. So she stepped down, but I understand it's still doing great. And it I always like enjoyed it. that. But you were talking about Autumn Oaks earlier. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, there was a point I wanted to make real quick about that. You know, the internet has changed things so much. But there was a time when you went to Autumn every stud dog in the country that was anything. Was there, and oh. they were in the barns with their banners and all, and right. even to the point where we started what we called a breeder showcase, and these and moved them in. We first rented some tents and had them set up stalls in these tents, circus tents, and then when they built that big uh, Raper Center, folks, that's the guy's name, Tom mm-hmm. Raper. Uh, there where they uh, do the bench shows and all that stuff now. Uh, then they brought that into there and they had the booths all in there for a while. But the really? Internet has changed things so much. You know, you don't see the stud dogs displayed in the barns at the right. events the way you used to. But there was a day when you could go into Autumn Oaks and it was like the biggest county fair that you've ever been to. All
0: coon dogs,
1: all coon dogs, and uh, to to have been a part of that history, and and I remember that even before I was involved with
0: it. Sure, it was
1: that way. So you know, there's the puppy barn.
0: Yeah, I mean that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's the experience. I mean, the hunt. I didn't even walk on a cast. I mean, I I, I wish I would have had time, but just the experience and the people and. You know, just remembering that a lot of these dogs out there, I mean, there are a lot of guys bringing them out and doing very well with them. Oh, yeah. Or breeding them in, you know, and crossing them in. But, I mean, I know that there's a lot of guys there that represent our sport. Like you said, the media center. So all of that inside now with the UKC show ring and their stuff. I mean, you're going to be there. What, the guys over from Coonhound Collective, they're going to be there.
1: They're there being
0: yeah she ben's gonna be, be there, I think. He
1: gonna be outside He's gonna be outside
0: yeah he's not allowed inside because he's working for me on the side so he got oh, an outside okay. booth okay he's, we'll get there I, later in this podcast duty. okay he's double well, working
1: i know last year the boys that had that coon hound confidentials they were there uh clayton stark was there
0: uh
1: yeah. i was there um i don't know i, I don't know oh uh Josh Michaelis was there, although I don't think he was set up right there. in. But anyway. Uh,
0: it's the place to be. I mean, really, because <laughs> what, I, what I feel like I'm missing out on this year is all of us have really gotten, I would say, a lot closer in our business dealings and, and personal relationships over the last three years. So mm. to me, it's like that's coming down to the coffee shop and sitting mm. down, you know, to sit down and mm. hang out with nubbins again and, and just <laughs> – that whole atmosphere. I look forward to coming and checking out the media section next year.
1: Well, it's a good thing that, that UKC provides that media center because Terry Walker, you know, kind of kind of bailed out on me there. I used to set up with Terry, and he graciously allowed me to to uh, sell Vacate books your duties. there. You know, and I, and he got the worst of that deal because. I sold a lot more books than I sold subscriptions for him. Right. because sure, I get out in front of the booth and get involved in a conversation with somebody that might last an hour. In oh, yeah. In the meantime, <laughs> Terry was back there writing subs like crazy. <laughs> but, uh, and that's, uh, I don't know, uh, that, that kind of brings up the uh, subject of full cry. Well, yeah. Uh, the kind folk- of
0: elephant in the room. It's been yeah. pretty well known and then, other times I've got guys that are totally still shocked that it happened. Yeah. But. Well,
1: Jason, let me tell you, so I know you hear a lot of this. and Everything reminds me of another story. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you a short one right here that has absolutely nothing to do with coon hunting. But I think I can segue back into what we're talking about. All in right. My, in my hometown of Beckley, West Virginia. We were in the car days. I grew up, I graduated high school in 64. <laughs> Cruising was a big, big thing. We had like three drive-ins in town. Oh, jeez! But, yeah, and, and it was called Valley Drive, and you go up and you, you cruise up the Valley Drive, and you go around this one drive-in, and you come down and you cruise around another one, and then you go to one where most of the kids hung out it was uh, a place called Pete and Bob's. But anyway... Just across town or on the other side of town, there was a place called King Tut, like the tomb, King Tut's tomb. Okay. And they kind of appealed to the older set a little bit, you know. But, man, they had amazing food. Pizza, that was their specialty. And their barbecue sandwiches and their hot dogs and all this. Well, finally, after all these years, that restaurant is closing down. Oh, and man. and Facebook has been swamped with people. They've got petitions to the city <laughs> of Beckley to make this place a historical monument, monument. and all this. And it's just a couple that worked hard, built that business, worked it for gosh, 40 years or more, probably 50, and want to retire. Right. And nobody wants to let them go. You know? No, you can't do this. You got to, you know. So that's full cry. That's full cry. There is a lot of people out in the heartland out here, in the forks of the creek, I call it. You can't say (laughs) on the corner or the block. The forks of the creek that love full cry magazine and cut their teeth on it and guys like me that learn basically learn to read or love to read learn to love to read through the pages of full crime magazine and everybody will tell you the stories of how it used to come all rolled up tight in a brown paper thing and you had to cut it with a a scissors or razor blade real easy so you didn't cut the cover of your magazine so then you could open it up and he had oh, to geez. roll it back the other way so it would lay flat. You lay flat. <laughs> might have to lay a book on it or something. But man, Full Cry has been such a part. And and then to hear that you and Danny are stepping up, you know, and, and going to continue that tradition, man. It's like King Tut driving, man.
0: <laughs> We're excited. <laughs> it, it is. That's what, when we saw it, it was one of those things that. It was really shocking, you know, because like for us, full Christ just always been around. It was one of those things that, you know, everybody had, everybody's grandpa had it. It's been passed around 10,000 times. So when we heard it was closing, I mean, that's when I started getting on the phone, you know, (laughs) yeah, I called you and a few other good friends and, you know, my wife's vision for this, I will say is it's really nice that it's transitioned like we were looking at it as a business right like it was something we could do it's something we're passionate about yeah but it's a business and then all the letters i mean letters handwritten letters are coming in and and comments and you know emails from people talking about like you said literally it's the only thing they read as a kid like Mm -hmm. learning to read using full cry and (laughs) you know, people with sick parents in the hospital under a coma that doctor said the only time he calms down is when you read to him. So she would bring his goon hunting magazines and read to him. Like, it, then it takes this weird shift. Like, it, yes, it is a business and we got to run it that way if we want to keep it around. Because honestly, you had a great post actually when all of this kind of started was it is something that, A, it's got to be a good product because it's got to have some value. But at the same time, if there's not the support or the demand for it, like inevitably everything dies without the support. So with that being said, you know, it was just one of those things that when we started really looking into it and, you know, Terry was really good with working with us and making something happen. It just, it all kind of yeah. fell into place. Mm-hmm. And now it, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I will say that. Oh it, yeah, it's a ton.
1: Well, having been in a, you know closely uh, tied to the pu- May- Coonhound publication business for all those years with UKC and and also PKC, who both had house organs, you know, mm-hmm. a- and all it is a lot of work. There, there's no question about it. But thank goodness you have uh, all of these uh, programs and things at your disposal disposal that makes it easier yeah. than it was way back in the day. Uh but it behooves all of us in the Hound community to get behind this project. I know you're not asking for unsolicited uh, advertising here. <laughs> don't or spend you? your money if you don't want to. No.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but right. it is like, but we've got to get
1: behind it. We do, because if we want it, we got to get behind it. If we want our country to survive, we got to stand up. And if we want this magazine to survive, and and I definitely do, and I can go on record and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I I bet I was one of your first subscribers.
0: I can't say that.
1: Because when I saw that, uh, that that the magazine was going to continue, I said, yeah, you know, we we definitely have to do that. You were hot on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The nice thing was, I'll say this, there were a lot of familiar names that popped up very quickly. Good. And that is a humbling good. experience. You know, when my wife, you know, we're up with the baby at two in the morning and she's like, oh, so and so just came through. So and so just subscribed. So and so did this. You know, it. when mm. you're sitting there holding the baby, wondering what the <laughs> hell you were doing buying a magazine, you know, it's. Um, well, I'll it be if, if you want a job
1: done, find a busy man. <laughs> uh, you know a woman and you are very blessed to have daddy how much i mean what i look I at this gal does i it. mean i see this post on facebook of this canning and all these things that she does she's so creative i'm just excited to see what you know what she's going to do with this thing because she's a very creative person obviously is very grounded and and,
0: uh man it'll be good and it'll evolve i mean i think i think as things go on you know this is a platform for houndsmen. this is all of us that want to talk about social media and not putting things out there like this is something like i told you my wife's gonna pull the trigger on or not if it's not something that's gonna be positive for us as Mm houndsmen or at least contribute some kind of perspective that can be beneficial this isn't a place for it this is a gathering place like i think of it like our podcast started off and now look at Mm -hmm. it you know we're how Mm -hmm. many million views in and we've just built kind of this little community around us it's kind of the same thing you know it's yeah it's nice to see that there is good light shining through like all over if you just know where to look for it And guys like you, like I've told you before, I don't want to give you a big head, but your head's big. I'm gonna say it. You you want
1: to know why hat hat size?
0: It's growing. (laughs) It's growing wider. It gets wider. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you got them headphones on all the time, holding the top down. Ah, yes, that about. It's just you know, it's taken a long time for everything to get here. If you think about, I mean, I'm gonna go deep here. Think about our dogs, think about us as houndsmen and women, think about us as families, think about us as, you know, businesses or podcasts, like all of this is responsible in our entire lives over a stinking dog. Like a dog is what did this for us all. Mm -hmm. And look at the doors it's open. I use you and I use Mark app constantly, like when I'm talking with my wife about what you guys have done over the years. And just pioneered a lot, you know, with your work through the registries and and Mark with Wick and and on with, I mean, countless, countless people like you guys, too. We wouldn't all be here. Who would have thought, you know, your evening radio show could be at your fingertips for virtually no cost. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a pretty crazy world that. Like I said, you've stayed extremely, extremely relevant, in, and I, I'm glad to have you around. I'm glad to call you a friend.
1: Oh, well, the friendship's number one, for sure.
0: <laughs> I know. We talk I, more fishing and kids than we do dogs.
1: I know. But when I saw this guy with
0: the, with the big
1: beard, you know, at Autumn Oaks, and I think you went, was that the first, did you go out to, to dinner with Zepp and, and me, and all, yeah, and yeah, we went we to ended pie up at O'Charlie's hotel room,
0: yeah. And then <laughs> I'll never forget it. We were up in your hotel room with Nubbins, and he had that muscadine wine. and We sat and talked <laughs> dogs for hours. And that was, I remember calling my wife and just telling her, I just had the coolest night I can probably ever think of with dogs. Oh, that's cool, yeah.
1: Well, and here we are. <laughs> you just need to get a plane ticket because Nubbin <laughs> Nubbins is good. I hear. He's already told me that on Saturday afternoon he's going to need the truck because he's going to go back to the room and watch Alabama play. Oh, something.
0: yeah, he's got to watch the game. I don't know why he's watching. Oh, uh, I don't know
1: either, but that's my bud.
0: No, but- that's next year I'm really hoping we can make it. We looked into some flights, you know, me get out of here Friday after work and get in, but it's just too expensive, short notice. And a it new is
1: baby very, is a little yeah. rough. Hey, my friend Lee Currents, who I hope to have on the, on the podcast here uh, just very shortly with Johnny Brinkley. Johnny just turned 90 years old, and Lee is, I believe, he's in his early 80s, okay? But Lee will tell you the stories of five guys going to to uh, an event like Autumn Oaks or Walker Days in a Car with the dogs in the trunk, right? You know, sleeping uh, in the back of a pickup truck with a tarp over them. Those are my people, man.
0: (laughs) Ask Buddy. That's how I roll the field trials. I just sleep on the ground most of the time.
1: (laughs) Well, when I lived in uh, before I went to UKC, I had a job up in Eastern Ohio. And I bought a pickup truck that had a camper shell on the back of it, and I built the dog box right in the back, far back. So I had the dogs underneath and I had a bunk,
0: you know How nice.
1: so that was man, I could I was sad I didn't have any well, my my kitchen was a Coleman stove, you know. And my, my bunk was right there. You know, I was all nice and dry up off the ground, oh, yeah? with the dogs underneath. It might've been a little aromatic. At times,
0: <laughs> the <but> worst part <laughs> is the smell. And every time you're about to fall asleep, somebody has got to scratch or flop over <laughs> and the whole truck moves. Yeah. Have you seen some of those new campers that they're making like that out here? I know California mm-hmm. is where I see most of them come from.
1: No, I have I don't
0: think they're really cool. The first one I saw was Sonny's, and my buddy Cougar had one, and now there's a lot of guys running them. But they're a camper shell, and you know you can configure them however you want. Most of them have two bunks, you know, one down each side, mm-hmm. and they're a dry camper. But then you've got your big door, man door in the middle, and mm-hmm. then there's two dog box doors, one on each side. So That's you've got cool. yeah. actually two dog box doors that you can put dogs in, and mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I I keep saying I want to get one. I just need to commit and do it because, mm. God, for on the road, it'd be nice. Well,
1: you know, I'm kind of downsizing. You know, I've been hauling around a big four-by-four box in the back of my truck with top storage and all, and I'm not using it. It's really not the best kind of box for Florida. You right. need an open-air box down here where there's a lot of, you know, because it's just so human. stinking hot. <laughs> this last weekend, we Ella and I went up to that uh, birthday and wedding uh, anniversary celebration for the Brinkleys, and each day it was over a hundred. Yeah, t- re- real temperature, you know. Mm. So hauling dogs can be a real challenge down here. But uh, I'm thinking of just getting rid of the the dog box and going to one of those fancy. Uh, crates like waterfowl hunters use those oh yeah yeah you know i don't know which brand is a better one but i'm i'm gonna start looking into that i think and just go that route instead of a standard dog box but
0: so just hauling one makes sense to me yeah Mm -hmm. i had to buy air conditioning for my dogs we we, (laughs) when we started did you get that picture of the little silver tracker i'm hunting out of with the dogs I don't in the think back so,
1: no. uh-huh. That's, those we're just are bad little machines. Man.
0: I'm telling you, man, <laughs> thirty miles a gallon that got me through the Biden gas crunch. That's the only <laughs> way I kept hunting was we could go yeah. out and hunt for you know eight, ten dollars a night instead of forty. It seemed like mm. and uh yeah, i I've been thinking about a box or some kind of camper shell to put on that, take the yeah. convertible top off, and do like a bird dog topper style. Yeah. Because I got to have something, but those single crates, if I was just hunting one or two, I will mm-hmm. tell you, that'd be the way yeah. to go. My back oh, yeah. likes moving them a lot better than moving a whole box.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't move this big, uh, it's an old heritage. Those were built oh, yeah. by Jar- Jarvis Sumpfers there for a while, and then they were sold to a company over in Cub Run, Kentucky, wherever that is. And that's where mine came from, but they're just too heavy. I mean, you know, it's... And I don't need it. No, uh, you and know, like About you the only thing I use it for is haul firewood home from Nubbins. <laughs> Every time I go up there, <laughs> he's got a stack of firewood. I don't know what he thinks I'm doing
0: with all that firewood down here. He's just making sure you don't freeze. That's a uh, good buddy.
1: Well, no, nah, he's taking care of my fire pit out. Because in the wintertime, I like to sit out, you know. With oh, sure. A little of Nubbins uh, creation there and in the glass and watch the fire, and, you know. It's,
0: well, like you said, the box has got to fit a purpose. I mean, that's yeah. a whole podcast on its own because yeah. it is totally different. The boxes out here, well, we learned it at Autumn Oaks. I mean, that was a real rude awakening because we had Brian Sorelli from Alder Grove go out with us. Mm-hmm. And we set up one of his boxes. And I've never seen so many oogle over a rig rack. Like, mm-hmm. to us, that's standard edition. Like, you have yeah. a rig rack on your truck. Mm-hmm. You have dogs right. at rig. And it's just so different to see like once you start looking at all these boxes in different manufacturers, how they're making them, it's pretty yeah. pretty interesting. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of them flat top coon boxes. Like oh, yeah. simple, light, well, easy.
1: You know, that there was such an evolution. I mentioned Lee Currents talking about hauling the dogs in the trunk of the car, and that was a common thing in the fifties.
0: Right, Early They made bags for you guys to hang them out the window. I was just oh. looking at an old advertisement in this full cry, and it's yeah, literally a burlap that sack that you hang out the window and your dog's legs poke through, and you two could own one for like two ninety nine or that whatever was it right, was. man. That's
1: right. But, you know, that was when you got enough jingle in your jeans to buy a pickup truck, which you could buy a new one probably for about 1600 $1,800 back then. And then you got a dog box in the back, and they were usually plywood, you know, put together or built out of orange crates or something. Then there was a fella named Mark Blount up in Three Rivers, Michigan. And I met Mark when I first went to work at UKC. He built the first commercial dog boxes and advertised them for coon hunters called Blount's Custom Built. And they had siding on them like an RV trailer because that's what Mark was an oh. engineer for. At that time, it was called AMF Scamper. And he would get the scraps out of the, the factories and build these oh, dog sure. boxes. And it was a wood framed dog box with top storage and, you know, sliding vents on the oh, side. Yeah. So he was the first one. And then a guy named Jim Bainbridge, who had worked for him for a while, uh, became his competitor and built what was called the Houndsman Deluxe. Oh, and, yeah, I've had uh, one. and then there was a guy named in that area, Percy Mullins, started building the Mullins dog box and his grandson now builds uh, that same box and I can't think what he names it. But anyway, that was you know, th- and that had that was in the early to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. So these, these custom made dog boxes for coon hunting have, you know, that's how old they are, 40 yeah. years old, I guess, 40,
0: 45 years. I know we did not sell that dog box. Mm. <laughs> it, it was still sitting there at the end of the weekend, but yeah. it was uh, it was just interesting for us, you know, because it is, I catch myself in it too, the competition world, big game world. But really, when you break it down, we just, it's the same reason a guy runs a walker over a blue tick or, or anything else, everybody's got their preference and their. Oh yeah, their own thoughts yeah. on it. So yeah,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: But, so are uh, you gonna be? I I know you're gonna be in the main building. So if people want to come find you, they're gonna go to the main show ring building. No, you're actually,
1: actually, the, all right. The building that will that UKC sets up for their office and where they call the cast out now and all they're, they have a, they have a big monitor on. The, what used to call a jumbotron up on the wall there, <laughs> is the Coolman Center, K-U-H-L-M-A, Kuhlman Center. K-U-H-L-M-A-N, Kuhlman Center. It, it's the building where the kitchen used to be. They oh, don't do okay. a kitchen in there anymore. The uh-huh. club doesn't do the kitchen anymore. They have food booths outside and all. But anyway, right there, and that's where UKC headquarters is. So we're set up. Last year, if you were facing UKC headquarters, we were first booth on the right. So I imagine that's where I'll be this year. And I'll have the Gone to the Dogs uh, graphics and stuff there, too. Uh, But I hope people will come by. Last year, it was a lot of fun. I uh, did, I think, 11 or 12 short interviews, 20 minutes or less, and aired those in two podcasts, and they were real popular, and I look forward yeah, to they doing were. some more of that. And, uh, you know, so I invite people to come out, you know, and stop by and see us, and we'll, we'll shoot the bull and put a Gone to the dog sticker on your truck, and,
0: uh, and you we'll go. just
1: have a big time, and you can buy my lunch, and...
0: go get go get those what are they the chicken tenderloin sandwiches that they hammer out they're like as big as a dinner plate
1: oh yeah you know that was one of the greatest uh, casualties of progress at autumn oaks was those uh, pork chop sandwiches are no more Really, that kitchen. Is Those not were good there. too, weren't
0: they? Good, yeah.
1: But the ice cream trailer's still there, <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and pie at O'Charlie's, right? That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. miss that one. I'll miss well, Big you Mark. just
1: gotta get a kitchen pass from Danny. And yeah, get right. Out there, you know, <laughs> next year. But no, you gotta bring her too. She needs to see that. And and I I fully expect that you guys are gonna do so well we'll full cry this year that you're going to have a booth out there
0: next year. We plan. That's
1: my, that's my prayer and my desire desire for you guys.
0: Well, we're going to have, we went kind of makeshift on this one, but Ben sheets was going to be there. So since we're sponsoring him, we're going to do a booth with Ben and he's going to have um, his, some of his other sponsors coming in. So we'll have some representation there, but, yeah, I think next year Danny's gonna at least she's gonna make the trip. I'm sure I'll meet yeah. you with her. Well,
1: people would love meeting her, including me, which I haven't <laughs> met her face to face yet. So I know she's way really Looking forward to that. You bet. She haven't was she a written?
0: Steve Fielder junkie before I was. She knew you because she was so involved in AKC and UKC before. No. She's like, do you know who he is? Before I knew you were Steve. I said, no. And she just rattles it off. And I said, well, someday you'll get to go meet him. <laughs> we need to go oh, fishing.
1: You, we got to meet
0: for sure.
1: Yeah. Nothing much here, but an old worn out coon hunter, but I sure <laughs> do enjoy meeting folks. Well, I got her convinced,
0: place. um, for a white river pass one of these years here coming up. Oh yeah. Well, so, you
1: just need to come and go with us.
0: That's what I'm you, thinking.
1: You and, uh, you know, Nubbin already. He's the, He's the senior member of our crew now, so. Put in a good you, word for me. If you've got his blessing, you're good to go. Well, you you're work on it
0: go. over there at Oaks, and we'll see what well, happens. you just
1: consider it done. You all just right. You consider bud. it done.
0: Well, I hope you have a great time, Steve. I encourage all of our listeners, if you're in driving distance and it's feasible, it is a good time. I guarantee you're going to meet somebody that was worth the trip and see something we're seeing, so. I appreciate you coming on, Steve. Yeah,
1: I will jump in there real quick. One of my greatest joys is to see first-timers come to Automotes. My buddy, Keston Jesse, young hunter from Virginia over there, he went for his first time last year. Oh, yeah. man, he was, it was like a kid at Christmas. Billy Dwyer, who's a frequent facebook poster and all from down louisiana he's making his first trip this year so i'm really really it's a pilgrimage now to see what he thinks about it you know so Oh, that's great well hopefully next
0: year we'll be there
1: well jason thanks for having me on i i love uh, du hunting supply of course without you guys i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing we've gone to the dogs and i appreciate that so much and it's always good talking to you, bud.
0: Yeah, it was good to catch up. It's been a minute. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you have a safe trip. You give my best to Ella, and we'll talk soon, Steve.
1: The same to Danny. We do, we'll do. we do that, brother. Bye now.